This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Tom, Richard and myself back in the studio, but not for long. What have we been doing here, though, apart from remembering how to push the buttons? Well, we've been looking at the Sam Altman saga, which continues. Netflix, no doubt, commissioning a series and casting it as we speak. It's also the day that the Dubai Taxi IPO kicks off, those shares going on sale and a price range announced this morning. We have been speaking to the CEO of Dubai Taxi Company, Mansour Al-Falasi. Richard's also been looking at a disturbing new report from Oxfam about carbon uh, and who is doing the most damage. He's been speaking to their director of Oxfam in Africa, while Tom has been looking at a move to bring baseball to Dubai. The first ball gets thrown out into the pitch on Friday night. He's been speaking to Kaz Sheikh, who's the chairman, CEO and majority owner of Baseball United. Except will they? <laughs> Are we talking about Sam Altman here? I have got a whole Taylor X Sam uh, playlist for you this morning. There is bad blood between the OpenAI board and its founder. There might be a bit of karma coming in the open letter that nearly every single employee at OpenAI, including one who ousted him, has written asking for him to come back. And quite frankly... Everyone just needs to calm down. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. That, that is the Eras tour in three minutes rather than three and a half hours. Look, this is Sam Altman. He's the founder of OpenAI. We know he was fired on Friday by the board of directors. We know it's been highly controversial over the past 72 hours. So, facts. He has been hired by Microsoft which owns a $10 billion stake in OpenAI. So he is now a Microsoft employee. This we know. A couple of others have joined Microsoft. Several hundred more may be about to join Microsoft. Satya Nadella is the CEO of Microsoft. He's the guy who bought the $10 billion stake in OpenIA. Big backer of Sam Allman, and he's the guy who's now got him on the payroll. Have a listen to this. This is Satya doing the rounds of the US TV networks over the past 12 to 14 hours, trying to explain what is going on. Look, I mean, that is for, you know, OpenAI board and management and the employees to choose. I think at this point for me, I just want in this moment, right, what is it that I care about? I care about just making sure that we can continue to innovate. And as I said, I feel very, very confident. Quite frankly, Microsoft has all the capability to just do that on our own. But we chose to explicitly partner with OpenAI, and we want to continue to do so. Now, you've heard Satya speak live, haven't you? He's a man in a suit. Last week, he was in, two weeks ago, in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, went down there to to watch him speak. Smart guy, clearly. Did he make more sense than that? He he did make more sense than that when he was in Abu Dhabi. That's Wibble. Honestly, I watched the full interview that he did with CNBC. Satya Nadella is a smart guy. He's wibbling. We can get you other sound bites as well. It's Wibble. It doesn't make any sense and and he is the smartest guy in the room um but like everybody else he has been completely caught on the hop by this what do you make of it tom uh, I, I don't 
I just I'm really confused by the whole thing, and and I tried to sort of put it into words a little earlier on, and I failed because I can't work it out, and I don't understand why we we're having all these sort of dramas, you know, whether it, it it's it's tech bros, isn't it? They're just they can't help but stay out the headlines. They love a bit of headline making, and there's always drama, whether it's Musk turning up with sinks. Or 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 Point. Bezos launching rockets. There's always something, and it looks like Sam. I'm going with Alt. I'm, I know it's, I'm, it's probably Alt, but I'm going with Alt just because I'm that way inclined. Control um, Alt Delete. <laughs> exactly that. We well, should be doing that at the moment. He should be <laughs> Control Alt Delete. It's, it, I don't get it. It's the same. Basically, the same company. He's gone from one building to the other. The two are interconnected. One. I mean, the, the two entities would exist on their own, but they're doing very well, thank you, because of this relationship. And then yet, we've obviously got boards at war here, and I just we haven't heard the end of it. It's going to roll and run and roll. Apparently, the company uh, or those that are employed by OpenAI aren't happy with the board. Um, there's only three people left on the board because the other two people that were on the five-person board have been sacked. Uh, that the, the 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 interim CEO lasted. A weekend, it's just yeah. The but don't worry, the... you know what? It's fine because the robots have got this. You know, the very format of this of, 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 the, of the company is AI, and they've got this. It's all so let the humans. This is it. Let the humans squabble, cannibalize themselves, and we'll just carry on with the running of the bill. I bet if you go into ChatGPT at the moment, you won't see any problems. It'll be as efficient as ever because the robots have got this. They're, they're looking after, but they're taking care of business, as Elvis would say. Uh, they are taking care of business at the moment whilst that lot over there, silly humans with their emotions, <laughs> just get, get, get beyond themselves. Well, I'm with Tom. <laughs> do you know what? You're not wrong on the emotions running high on this. I mean, 700 plus workers at OpenAI, including one of the board members who was involved in the ousting of yeah. Sam Altman, um, and indeed the interim CEO, the CTO that you mentioned, have written a letter saying we are unable to work for or with people that lack competence, judgment and care for our mission and employees. So as you say, they're threatening to quit and, and join him and his other founder, the chief scientist, who apparently, according to Axios this morning, led the anti-Altman rebellion, says he now deeply regrets his action. He's the one who's signed the letter. The new CEO has said, well, we handled that badly, and is launching a 30-day investigation into why it was, and I'm putting this politely, such a mess. Pass the popcorn. Mate, it's, uh, uh, you, you mentioned you know, the words you said there, you know, care. Robots don't care, do they? No, they're just they're just going to go about their business. Uh, emotions running high. They're not they're not bothered by the emotions. They're not going to get worried about you know being dissed in the in the elevator on their way into work or out of work or whatever. They're not getting hot under the they don't have collars. They're not getting hot under any collars about which car park space they have in the car park. No, they're just going about their business and they let the humans do those humany things out there and they'll take care of themselves. Do you think the robots may have set this up? I think I think this part of it's part of the larger plan. 
<laughs> this is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Right, and Dubai Taxi Company has announced its price range um, for its share sale. It's between 1.8 dirhams and 1.85 a share. That implies a market capitalization of between 4.5 and 4.6 billion dirhams. We are very pleased um, to have on the line this morning the CEO of Dubai Taxi Company on the morning that their shares go live, that IPO kicks off. People are able to start buying in. Mansour Al-Falasi speaking to us now. Thank you so much for making the time on what is a very busy day for you. Good morning. I'm really delighted and honoured to be talking to today about the announcement of the Dubai Taxi, Co- Dubai Taxi Company and also the story of of it. Yeah, we're very interested in talking about your growth story and your plans because this is what investors are going to uh, care about. Tell me first, though, why does an IPO make sense for Dubai Taxi? Of course, uh, Dubai Taxi company established back in 1994, so we have more than 30 years of experience and also position in the market. We are dominating the market here in Dubai. And as all of us know that Dubai is one of the growing economics uh, among the the world itself. And also, we are benefiting from the scale of uh, economic here in Dubai, the growth, the population, the events that is hosting uh, more than 400 on yearly basis. And of course, the direction of the government of Dubai to start with the privatization program and of course, uh, our company will be the first mobility company to be listed in Dubai financial market. So let's talk about your own growth projections. Talk to me about your market share now and where you're looking to take that. Well, when it comes to the uh, taxi uh, industry, uh, we are about 44% of the market share in Dubai. We are double the size of our second competitor. And uh, this is one of the most important verticals because we have three other verticals like the limousine sector, we do have the school buses, commercial buses, and also the, our new baby who joined the, the company last year was the delivery bikes. So talking about uh, the taxi, uh, as I said, this is uh, the majority comes out from, I mean, our core business comes from the taxi sector. So we are about 40, 44% of market share. And also we are growing on yearly basis and this and this is also part of our business plan for the coming five years. Okay, what rate are you growing at and what rate are you projecting? Well, when it comes to the taxi sector, we are uh, targeting about uh, 3 to 5% uh, on a yearly basis. And uh, uh, having have talking about the market share, we are not just focusing on the number of taxi itself, but also we are focusing on the uh, the let's say the hidden KPIs associated with that because being the biggest is not all the, all the time is the right uh, let's say uh, equation in the market so we have to be on top of things when it comes to other KPIs associated uh, like for example number of trips uh, number of trips per driver revenue kilometers versus the dead kilometers and all these uh, let's say margins or KPIs associated with that so we are making sure that we are on top of other competitors here in, in Dubai. How do you increase those metrics, the number of trips per driver and the amount of revenue per trip? Well, starting from the hiring of the uh, the good drivers, uh, training them, make sure the availability of cars uh, at all, all the time across, across the clock because we are operating 24-7, making sure that also uh, our OCC, the, uh, the, the 
operation control room is is operating in the right way, providing the drivers with the right enablers. Like for example, we do have uh, our AI system. We do have our uh, maps associated with the uh, most uh, let's say supply uh, or demand in, in in the market. So all these things are uh, targeting the drivers, and also we you should we shouldn't forget about the e-hailing system uh, here in Dubai when it comes to the HALA, uh, which is the JV between RT and Kareem. Also, our drivers are benefiting from the access through this mobile app, which also give us uh, a good, uh, and also uh, we, we shouldn't forget that we do operate in one of the most important prime locations in Dubai. Uh, that's Dubai you're talking about. What are your plans, if any, for other Emirates? Well, uh, when it comes to the taxi, uh, we have we are very keen to expand. However, we we, sh- we should make sure that we are operating in a high barrier, let's say, city, uh, because uh, the taxi sector will be affected by other uh, things. And this is what we are. Uh, uh, our, this is our part of our success in Dubai. We are we are operating in a very high barrier. Regulatory framework in Dubai, protected by our colleagues in RTA, Post and Transport Authority. So, when it comes to the taxi vertical, uh, we are very keen to expand. However, we have to make sure that it is well protected for our business. When it comes to the buses, for example, we do operate in uh, Ajman, uh, we do operate in Abu Dhabi and Al Ain, also Ras Al Khaimah. The limousine, the same, we do have access to Ras Al Khaimah. Uh, and the uh, also, we do have the DTC app, which is the e-hailing is, uh, mobile app for the limousine uh, uh, limousine users. So, also on, on this thing, also we are expanding. We are looking into the expansion uh, into the other, uh, let's say, uh, region. The same thing. Also, we will put in our agenda, of course, the any kind of acquisitions uh, when it comes to such uh, opportunity. Also, we'll be having it part of our agenda the coming five years. Where could you be looking to make acquisitions? What sectors? Of course, uh, being a, a mobility company, uh, we consider as the Dubai flagship uh, mobility company, we'll be focusing more into the four, four verticals that we have right now. And also in the, in the coming future, if there's any kind of opportunity other than the, the, these four uh, verticals, but of course it should be related to our uh, mobility uh, direction, we'll be more than happy to uh, look into it and also uh, be part of that uh, process. Okay, you mentioned the delivery bikes there a little earlier. How big could that business get for you? What are the plans? Well, we noticed the the uh, post the the pandemic. We noticed the last mile business. It's really growing. Uh, also com- uh, linked to the e-commerce, how it is booming not just in Dubai but all around of, of the world. So we started to uh, have this new uh, baby which started back in September 2022. We're expecting to reach 1,000 bike by the end of this year. <clears throat> also we are operating under the umbrella of the, the biggest aggregator here in Dubai, for example, like Kareem, uh, Noon, uh, Powerlease. And also uh, we are looking into ex- more expansion when it comes to the uh, this vertical uh, uh, because we believe that and what we notice and what we see as per our studies that there's big and a huge opportunity for us to jump into this vertical and as, as I said it's part of our uh, mandate and part of our roles and responsibilities as uh, Dubai taxi company.
Unfortunately, we have to leave it there this morning. We are out of time, but we appreciate you making the time for us this morning. Mansour Al-Falasi is the CEO of the Dubai Taxi Company. Uh, their share sale goes live today for investors, running through to the 28th uh, for retail investors. We've got a price band as well, uh, and we've got a potential market capitalization of between $4.5 billion and $4.6 billion dirhams. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Let's get more insight on that Oxfam story now. Delighted to be joined on the line from Kenya by the director of Oxfam in Africa, Fatty Nzi Hassan, joins us live. Fatty, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Tell us about the findings of this report. Thank you very much, Richard. So this report that was um, published uh, in, in, in partnership with the Stockholm Environment Institute um, is uh, finding out that uh, the richest 1% emit four times more pollution than the entire Africa, carbon pollution. So we calculated the carbon emission of the super rich, uh, looking at their lifestyles, um, private jets, private boats, looking at the public expenditure. It's no surprise that most of these uh, super rich live in countries with a high public expenditure. And also looking at their capital investment, because we also believe that they have a responsibility in where they invest their money. Um, the consequences of this is obviously an additional raise in temperature, um, in additional uh, climate extreme events, uh, occurrence of climate extreme events, and this is causing droughts, it's causing floods, it's causing uh, wildfires, and also unpredictable rain patterns. Um, we also found out that uh, this brings an additional occurrence in diseases um, and also a plumbering in food production. This additional carbon pollution is enough to uh, wipe out half of the production in Africa of rice, maize and uh, wheat. And we found out that uh, this carbon pollution from the super rich is enough to, co- to cause 1.3 additional million death. And we want to hold the super rich uh, to account for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm following you on X this morning, and you do not pull any punches. And living in a very wealthy place like Dubai, I, I, I'm feeling some guilt at this, even though I am not super rich by any means. But you say the following, the super rich continue to be one of the biggest threats to safe and sustainable life on our planet. It is shameful, you say, Fatty, that people most affected by climate breakdown, like so many Africans, are the least responsible for global warming. Tell us more. Yes, well, this report is also exposing this uh, injustice. As I mentioned, over 84% of super rich are from developed countries. But the worst hits by uh, climate uh, extreme uh, events are in developing countries. And these developing countries contribute the least. Most of these vulnerable countries are African countries. As you know, temperature is raising faster in Africa. And seven out of the 10 most vulnerable, climate vulnerable countries are in Africa. And even within uh, African countries, most vulnerable people are the ones that are already economically vulnerable. Uh, The people in the communities, such as children, elderly women, and rural uh, communities who depend on agriculture and herding. 
So Fatih, what would be your message to people here in Dubai? We've got COP28 happening in less than two weeks' time here in the UAE, talking a very good game about climate change and trying to preserve the the planet. And yet, just a couple of weeks ago, we had an interview with the outgoing chief executive of Rolls-Royce. The UAE is the second biggest market in the world for Rolls-Royce motor cars. They have 12-cylinder engines. They are not particularly environmentally friendly. What's your message to people here in a very wealthy country or relatively wealthy country like the UAE? Well, the message is that we're all in this together. Uh, We cannot shy away from our responsibility. Uh, You know, there's a a, a UN principle that is underpinning the, 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 the negotiations around climate change. It's the common but differentiated responsibilities. And this is uh, leading us to say we need to make sure that everyone is contributing at the best of their abilities to solving the crisis and also looking at the, the historical responsibility. We need to look at the fair and responsible phase out of the, of the fossil fuel. We have no other choice. And also we need to make the rich countries and the rich individuals pay for climate action. We cannot continue having a situation where climate finance is mostly debt. Uh, We also need to make sure that we tax the super-rich individuals, we tax the super-rich corporations, especially the ones operating in in the global south. And yet fossil fuels remain very important, particularly in less developed countries, in continents like Africa, in places like India as well, with a relatively low GDP per capita. People do still need fossil fuels for heating, for cooling, for cooking, for transportation. Transition is all well and good, but it it has to be managed, no? Absolutely. And I would like to commend the African group uh, that has submitted a proposal when it comes to how do we phase out responsibly and fairly uh, from fossil fuels. As you know, Africa, uh, despite being uh, 14% of the global population, only contributes less than than 4% to global emission. So you cannot be standing in front of a a leader from Chad, uh, for example, uh, which is a country that relies a lot on fossil fuel and tell them we need to stop producing tomorrow. There's the need to look at uh, who is um, emitting carbon emission and how do we make sure that we phase out in a responsible and in a fair manner. Fatih, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Joining us on the line from Kenya, that is the director of Oxfam in Africa, Fatih Nzi Hassan, joining us live with the findings of that report from Oxfam about the fact that, just to recap, the richest 1% of humanity is responsible for more carbon emissions than the poorest 66%. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Right, let's bring the focus back to Dubai because, well, as you know, the city is no stranger to a bit of drama. But you know what? This weekend, expect that drama to be, well, supersized as All-Star Baseball comes to town for the very first time. They say baseball isn't like it used to be. They're right. It's faster. Younger. Harder. Well, one man who's doing exactly that is our next guest. He is the chairman, the CEO, the majority owner of Baseball United, which, of course, uh, steps uh, starts kicks off things here in Dubai with an all-star showcase this coming weekend to tell us the what's, the when's, the where's, but more importantly, 
the wise. It's an absolute pleasure uh, to bring Cash Shake into the studio. Cash, great to catch up. Good morning, guys. I can't believe I'm finally on the business breakfast. I've been hearing you guys on the morning here ever since the last six, seven months. We've been building every day uh, early and late nights trying to make this happen with bringing baseball to the region for the first time. So it's great to be here with you. Great to talk numbers with you on this one. Uh, a man with such an illustrious business career. It's great to bring uh, that business acumen and, of course, sport together here uh, on the show. Let's uh, want to talk, obviously, about the weekend. Busy old yep. weekend for you. You and the guys as well. But let's do the why first and foremost. UAE, Dubai, baseball. Okay, yeah, we've had softball. Okay, yeah, we've got in certain schools, etc. You call it baseball diplomacy. Why here? Why now? Well, we started this journey, myself, Barry Larkin, Nick Swisher, Adrian Beltre, you know, a group of legendary baseball icons that are part of our ownership group. That's the highest pedigree of professional sports ownership group, I believe, we believe, in all of the world, when you look at their performance on the field and now them sitting in the ownership box. I'm the least important person in our ownership group. We talked about two years ago, what can we do to help the game? Because the professional baseball game in the U.S. two years ago was, was facing some tough challenges. The average age of a Major League Baseball fan is 57 years old. It's the oldest fan base in all of professional sports. There's lack of diversity in the game. Young people weren't tuning in for long enough. They wanted to shorten the game. They wanted more excitement, you know. And we started thinking, how can we take this game and, that we love and how can we evolve it? And as we started to really get into the numbers and the potential, we quickly realized that the growth of the game was actually not back home in the U.S., it was international. Mm. And we saw a region of the world with South Asia and the Middle East that has two billion people. One billion of them, as you know, are cricket fans. So this is truly the bat and ball epicenter of the universe. And we started thinking about and dreaming about how could we come out here and try to inspire these cricket fans to fall in love with the bat and ball sport that we love. What's been amazing the last year as we've been in the market and in the data and in the community, we found out that there's a ton more baseball fans out here than we even realized. There's 450,000 avid baseball fans in Dubai alone, um, which is pretty incredible when you think about, you know, the potential to grow the game in the region. Let's talk about that potential because, you know, it reads like a Hollywood story, doesn't it? You know, and we've all seen Million Dollar Arm, you know, and that sort of story, etc. But is there an element of that? Okay, it's all good and well bringing the big stars of the game here for the All-Star Showcase. But is part of your mantra to unearth the talent of tomorrow? Exactly. I mean, we have 25 players on each All-Star team, 25 on the East team, 25 on the West but four players on each of those teams are prospects from the region. We just announced it this week. We have three players from India, from the Indian national team, that are 18, 19, 21 years old. We've got two of them that are the best pitchers in the country. You know, they throw over 90 miles per hour. They've been training for, for years to hope to play on the national stage. Now they're going to be on an international stage. Um, there's 127 countries that are going to have access to our broadcast this weekend. These guys, we picked them up from the airport. I was lucky enough to be there to see it. I mean, it was like a fantasy. It was like a a movie. But for us, it's a huge part of our strategy, a huge pillar of how we build with Baseball United, of growing from the grassroots level, from the bottom up, partnering with the federations and baseball communities in the region. We have two Pakistani national team players also as part of it. We have someone from Sri Lanka. We have someone from Palestine, as well as someone from Uganda. So we have eight players that are really going to be an exciting part of this weekend. 
that's the human side of it. And that's what I love. And that's sort of, you know, grassroots development, looking to set up academies here. You know, we're talking about a weekend of sport, but you're talking about, you know, the establishment of the league, right. the kicking off the league. And this is a long term investment. So let's talk investments. I mean, mm-hmm. you are an accomplished businessman and business creator as well. Uh, P&G, GoPro, uh, set up your own sports agency as well. You've obviously crunched the numbers on this as well. Does it make financial sense here to take baseball out of its heartlands? We really believe it does. You know, as you know, um, for any successful sports league, the broadcast media rights is the number one revenue driver. And when we see the appetite already, as I mentioned, we're going to be in 127 countries. We have over a dozen broadcasters that are going to be showing the game. We're announcing that list of broadcasters, which is pretty impressive later this afternoon. Um, You know, we've been overwhelmed with the amount of people that have interest, businesses, you know, and media that have interest. So that's that's been something that was a core part of our hypothesis that now, you know, thankfully, is, is coming to fruition. The other one, we're all going to find out this weekend because the number two is we got to sell some tickets. You know, um, I was I, honestly, I was freaking out last week because I'm like, all right, we're, our ticket sales are lower than I wanted to be. And we wanted to pick it up. And everyone told me Dubai is a late market. People buy tickets the last week. And now, you know, guys, I think we're going to sell out Friday night, opening night. Um, tickets are really moving now. Um, so I, I thank everyone because everyone at ARN told me, wait, wait, this town is late. So by Tuesday, I think we're going to sell out. We have the stadium holds 25,000 people. We're actually only doing it at uh, the lower bowl, which is about 8,000 people or so. Um, but, you know, it's going to be exciting. And ticket sales is the main thing. That's the variable we want to we want to prove. Well, talk to me. I've got ears in my uh, – uh, not got ears in my head. Yeah, I've definitely got ears. <laughs> I've still got ears. Uh, I've got voices in my head saying apparently a Chris, Chris Faye wants to talk to you, et cetera. But hang That's on, right. Cash. <laughs> you're talking to the CEOs, the senior managers of the right, UAE right. at the moment. They're listening in at right. the moment. Um, sell the game to them this weekend. Why should they be taking them and their teams if, down there? You know, I've had the, the, the opportunity to build brands for 22 years around the world. As you mentioned with P&G and GoPro, my agency, different brands we've launched. Um, what we're giving to brands this weekend is unprecedented. When you see what they're going to get on our broadcast with the, the brand recognition, the brand signage on the field, in the venue, the activations, the fan fest – I've also been buying and selling sponsorships for 22 years. What these brands are paying is literally nothing. I'm being honest with you guys to be able to get that type of exposure. And we wanted that. We wanted to over deliver. We wanted to show what we can do. And then when we go back to them, we're going to say, look, we have a premium fan base. The baseball fan in the UAE is higher educated, higher income higher employment, they spend more money on live sports, they spend more money on luxury products, they're more engaged on social media, they're social influencers, they're content creators. It's the ideal prime prospect for any brand. And these brands are going to get a taste of it this weekend. I'm excited about talking to them for next year when we have a full season here because the plan is 65 total games in the region next year with eight franchises. Uh, players from 16 different countries, players that have played at the highest levels. 30 seconds just to wrap up. What can we expect on the diamond? We're going to expect all American baseball hot dogs, burgers, <laughs> popcorn, you know, take me out to the ball game, sing alongs after every inning. I mean, that's before the, that's off the field. On the field, these guys have been hitting some monster 
home runs during batting practice. They just started last week. So I think it's going to be amazing. Just grateful for the opportunity and hope people come out to enjoy professional baseball for the first time in history in Dubai. It's hey, bada, 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 hey. That's right. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Cash, really looking forward to it. All the best. Thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a great initiative. Well done to you and all your you. Uh, co-founders on this one. I won't keep you any longer. I know uh, Virgin away at the end of the studio, but don't be a stranger. Do stay in touch. Do keep us up to date with what's going on and all the best with this weekend. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Cash out there joining us live here in studio. President, CEO and Chairman of Baseball United. They've got their big weekend this weekend. We'll post up all the details of how you can find tickets on that one. He's also the founder of the BSB Group as well. So joining us live in studio. Um, Sold so kids, uh, you're take, are you going down to the ball game this weekend? Oh, if you can get a ticket by the sounds of it. Yeah, I, I might have to watch a YouTube video to learn the rules. It's look. It's you've been, haven't you? I have. I went in Detroit. I got the wrong team. I knew it was a bird. I got the wrong bird. Fine, um, but the atmosphere was fun. I've never been to a major league baseball game. Um, I've never been to one of the Japan Nippon baseball games. Or I'm a sports fan. Or my everyone I talk to say it is a go-to. It's a bucket lister. The question is, who here are they going to get to throw in the first balls? You've already upset Chris Fade by keeping his guest. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.